0: Podcast number 710 for the 11th of September, 2020. This week, Macro Express is an application that has been on every Windows computer I've used since sometime in the late 1990s. It is one of those rare applications that I consider to be absolutely essential. I'll explain why, and maybe you'll feel the same. In short circuits, no, you don't have to verify your account. Any email, instant message, or phone call that says you must verify your account information is almost certainly a scam. In the 1960s top 40 radio stations had promos that shouted the hits just keep on coming. The same could be said about fraudulent emails. This week we'll take a look at a couple of recent scam attempts. In spare parts only on the website there is one critical step you should take before contacting tech support to report a problem and that one simple step might even solve the problem and if that one simple critical step doesn't solve the problem there's one more thing to think about and 20 years ago storing files on the internet was new and expensive eventually it caught on and it became affordable Macro Express is an application that has been on every Windows computer I've used since sometime in the late 1990s. It's one of those rare applications that I consider to be absolutely essential. At its most simple, Macro Express replaces one set of keystrokes with another. For example, I created a text file when I started compiling the information for this segment of the program. My procedure for naming these files is to start with a name and then follow that with the date that I started working on it. So the file name is macroexpress 2020-08-17.txt. Now instead of having to type 2020-08-17, I typed two periods followed by dfd. The first d means date and fd means file date. The letters could be anything I chose, but I have several date and time macros to serve several purposes. First, there's DFD, the one I already mentioned. It is the date as a four-digit year, followed by a two-digit month, followed by a two-digit day. It's the format that I use frequently because it allows dates to sort in order without any difficult character manipulation. I also have DDTM, that provides the date and time written in a format I prefer, which is the date followed by the month spelled out, followed by a four-digit year, the word at, and then the time expressed in 24-hour version as hour, minutes, and seconds. There's DDTE, which does only the date, for example, 17 August 2020. Then I have DTS1, which is a timestamp that includes hours, minutes, and seconds, and DTS2, which is a timestamp that includes only hours and minutes. Trivial? (laughs) You bet. But I do need to type the date and the time, or both, several times a day. The macros ensure a couple of things. First, that I'll get both the date and the time right, without having to refer to a calendar or a clock, and that I'll always use the same format to type the values, and that I won't commit a typo. If you use Facebook, you've probably seen phony ads for expensive Ray-Ban sunglasses at impossibly low prices. They are counterfeits, of course, and they are shoddy. The fake ads are posted most frequently when someone's Facebook account has been compromised, but some people see the phony ads and repost them, thinking they're doing somebody a favor. So, I have a macro that says the poster's account may have been taken over by crooks, It includes links to Facebook's page that explains what to do if your account has been stolen, but it also includes a link that explains the fake Ray-Ban ads if the user posted the scam negligently. I created the macro in Macro Express using the Assembler function in which the user simply selects an action from a list of possible options and then edits the properties of the action. When responding to a Facebook post that has the scam ad, all I have to do is type two periods followed by Ray-Ban to insert the full message. That message includes links to two different resources. Typing this manually would take several minutes because I'd have to look up the addresses, copy and paste them, and then compose the message. Using Macro Express reduces the time to about two seconds. Here's another little time-saving example, two periods followed by TBWWDIR. Types this, d colon slash websites dash dev backslash techbiter.com backslash underscore development underscore no underscore upload backslash techbiter pending. Why? Well, when I'm exporting screenshots from Snagit to use on the website, I need to specify the directory the files should be copied to. Typing 7 letters is a lot easier than typing 71 letters and characters. It also guarantees that I'll get the right address every time. Insight Software has four offerings, Short Keys, Keyboard Express, Macro Express, and Macro Express Pro. I'm using Macro Express Pro to describe the operation, and each of the versions has varying lists of features. Most of the time, I could get by with nothing more than short keys, but occasionally I need features that are available only in Macro Express Pro. And I've mentioned typing two periods before typing the short keyword. This is something the user chooses. By default, Macro Express uses two slashes, but I prefer two periods. Some users set the shortkey prefix as a single period, but I consider that unwise. Using a single period could cause a macro to trigger unexpectedly if the user types a file extension that's being used as a shortkey value. .exe, .txt, and .xml are a few examples. It's also possible to specify that the shortkey indicator should be used as a suffix, greets dot, dot, for example, instead of dot, dot greets. Also, by default, the short key and its prefix or suffix are removed when Macro Express replaces the text. If you need to keep the short key in addition to the text, you can do that too. In other words, this is a program that can be configured to work exactly the way you want it to work. Macro Express offers several ways to create macros. It can record your keystrokes and mouse movements. You can use a macro assembler to pick actions from a list and you can even edit the macro scripts direct once you've learned the language. First-time users will appreciate a wizard. To use the wizard, click the wizard button. That was a surprise, wasn't it? Click the wizard button and work through a series of screens to create a macro. Once created, the macro can be modified in the Macro Assembler view or in the Script Editor view. Here's how it works. The wizard's first screen determines what you want the macro to do. Here are some of the things it can do create a reminder or type text or other data, send email, load a web page, or map a disk drive, play a sound or video, or adjust volume, work with programs, Windows files, or folders, or reboot or shut down the computer. I selected the first option, create a reminder, type text, or other data. The wizard's next screen determines whether I want to create a reminder, paste text or graphics, type the date or time, type a symbol, or enter some text. I have a pet spider that lives in a corner of the bathroom. We have some annoying moths, and I haven't been able to determine where they're coming from. The spider likes to eat the moths, so I bid the spider a good morning every day. I also took its picture one day and thought that I might occasionally like to share it, so I selected the option to paste text or graphics. The next screen simply sets the user's expectations for what can be accomplished with the macro. Screen 4 offered me three options. Paste in text that will be entered in Macro Express, paste in text from a file, or paste in a graphics image. I selected the third option, the graphics image. Macro Express then asked me to specify the location of the graphic. I used a button to search for the image, which is in d backslash underscore temp, with a file name spider underscore mg underscore 3660 bbjpg a macro can be activated in many ways. The most common are a hotkey, Control-Alt-Shift-S, for example, or a short key two periods followed by spider. They can also be activated on a schedule based on the title of an active window, and a lot of other ways. Nearly a dozen in all. I selected the shortkey method. On panel 7, because I specified the short key method to activate the macro, I was asked to specify the word I would use. I decided to use... Spider. Clever, huh? On panel 8, macros can be global so that they work at any time in any application, or limited so that they'll work in only a specific program. The default is global, and I left it at that. And panel number 9, the user is asked to specify a name. Now, this isn't essential, but it does make the process of finding a macro later if you want to edit it or delete it easier. And it's also possible to specify an icon for the macro. Clicking Finish saves the macro and makes it ready for use. So now if I compose an email message and I want to include a photo of my pet spider, I type dot dot spider and Macro Express removes that and pastes in the photo. So you probably think that's a pretty silly way to use a program, and it is. But let's take a look at an even sillier purpose because it displays how a complex macro can be created. Although I usually create and edit macros using the Macro Assembler to pick items from lists and then modify their properties, it is possible to create or edit macros in the application's edit mode or even in a text editor such as UltraEdit Studio. A decade or more ago, I created a macro for fun at the office. The macro first determined what day it is, Monday through Friday, and whether the time is before noon or afternoon. Once that's been determined, Macro Express writes some text. I've used it to respond immediately to co-workers who sent an instant message. If I typed two periods followed by greets on a Monday morning, the result would be greetings in a variety of languages. On Friday afternoon, the response would be happy Friday afternoon with translations to another batch of languages. I had used Google's translate function to create messages in several languages, and the macro had 10 possible responses, from Monday morning through Friday afternoon. Then recently I decided that I'd like to put that macro back in use, but I'd like it to work on Saturday and Sunday too. I could have used the macro assembler to add more branches and labels, but I thought it would be faster to use the macro express editor. Actually, I copied the script from the Macro Express editor to UltraEdit Studio because that provided color coding that's pretty handy. So I made the appropriate changes, pasted the code back into Macro Express, and found that I had made only one error. The error was obvious and easily corrected, so updating the macro to cover 14 possibilities Monday morning through Sunday afternoon took only a few moments. Maybe someday I'll expand the macro to cover 21 possibilities morning, afternoon, and evening for each of the seven days. But probably not. Insight Software has typically released the previous Pro version at a lower price once a new version is released. So now the previous Macro Express 5 Pro is named Macro Express, and it's being sold for $50, which is $20 less than the cost of the Pro version. But there's also Keyboard Express for $35 and Short Keys for just $30. Which one's right for you. The Macro Express page on the Insight software website compares the applications and I have a link to that from the TechPider Worldwide website, but briefly, ShortKeys is primarily a text replacement tool. Those who have the need to type repetitive information will benefit from installing ShortKeys. Next up is Keyboard Express. It adds the ability to watch what the user does and record actions as a macro, the ability to schedule a macro for playback, and some basic program control logic, such as looping structures. Macro Express adds many more programming tools, such as variables, string manipulation, and error handling. There's also optional password protection, the ability to create macros that can call other macros, and links directly to the Windows interface. And then there's Macro Express Pro, It includes tools for macro developers, and functions that can respond to system events, it can access the Windows clipboard, run multiple macros concurrently, and there are some additional boolean variables and time and date variables. So the bottom line is macros save time and reduce errors. I'm going to give Macro Express Pro five cats. Big surprise there, probably. Any repetitive task is a candidate for macros. Those who need nothing more than simple text replacement will find the inexpensive short keys can handle their needs. For more complicated needs, Insight Software offers three other applications, including Macro Express Pro, that can automate far more than just text replacements. If you've never tried one of these programs, download a 30-day trial and give it a try. Anything you have to do more than a couple of times can probably be standardized and goof-proofed with a Macro. You'll find additional details on the Insight software website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, no, you don't have to verify your account. Any account, period. Any email, instant message, or phone call that says you must verify your account information has about a 99.999% chance of being a scam. When you log into Facebook from a device that Facebook doesn't recognize, you might receive a message that describes the unexpected login, but the message will say that you need to do nothing if you logged in from the described device. If not, then you should change your password by logging in normally. Yeah, this is a familiar drill. A bank will never ask you to confirm your account number. The bank knows your account number. It will never ask you to confirm your password. So if you receive an email or an instant message that wants you to do something, especially if you have to do something within a, oh my goodness, a few minutes or a few hours or a disaster will happen, treat it with extreme suspicion. You probably know that Facebook sometimes takes down posts that violate what they call community standards, and scammers have started using this to steal people's credentials. The scammer usually sends an instant message that says, oh, you have violated community standards, but the message contains no information about the supposed infraction. Most of these messages tell the user that they need to follow a link and perform an action. That action is usually described in terms of validating or confirming your account. The link will then take you to a screen that looks a lot like a Facebook login page. Under the guise of security, the form may ask for other identification or other information, your mother's maiden name, for example, last four digits of your social security number, and other things that are commonly used as secondary means of identification. The goal here, of course, is to steal your identity, and if you enter your username and password there, you will just have given your credentials to a crook. What happens next depends on the intelligence of the scammer. An intelligent scammer, after capturing your credentials, will then log you into Facebook and just step out of the way. You'll be able to continue without suspecting that a problem exists, and the scammer can log into your account and change the password. By the time the user realizes what has happened, the scammer will have had several hours to play. Because too many people still use one set of credentials for multiple accounts, the scammer will then also try to log on to other accounts, banks in your area, Amazon, other stores. When that login succeeds, the scammer can change your passwords there, change your contact information, place orders, make withdrawals. It's all his no longer yours. Less intelligent scammers just fail the login process, leaving the victim to figure out what happened. Many users will quickly realize that something bad has happened when a dumb scammer takes that route, and the user can then limit the crook's time with valid stolen credentials. If there's a problem with your account, you will be notified the next time you try to log in. What's surprising about some of the recent scams is that messages claiming to be from Facebook are sent to Twitter users. That's kind of like the CEO of Toyota buying a Honda. Facebook doesn't use Twitter to notify users. Facebook doesn't even use its own messenger service to notify users. If one of your posts has been taken down, you will be notified right there in your timeline. Observant users will see other clear indications that the message is a fake. The URL will go to an unusual domain, facebook-security.info, for example, instead of facebook.com, or chase-fraud.site instead of chase.com. Instead of clicking a link that claims to be from your bank, an online store, or a social media site, just go to the site using your browser as normal and log in. If you see no warning message when logging in normally, smile, you have just saved yourself a lot of trouble and distress. In the 1960s, top 40 radio stations had recorded promos that shouted, the hits just keep on coming. The same could be said about fraudulent emails that differ in form from what I described when talking about account verification a moment ago. The scams just keep on coming. Here are a couple of recent scam attempts that I received. To see them, you'll have to check out the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. The first is a variant of the verify your account scam. It's so obvious that I have trouble imagining anyone falling for it. Here's what I saw with just a quick glance. The message claims to come from supporttechbiter.com, but the from address is actually webmaster.lpmmalaysia.com. I didn't bother to look at the routing headers to determine whether that was the actual source of the message, but later I did use a PowerShell command to load the website code safely so that I could read it. lpmmalaysia.com does exist, but it hasn't been set up. Apparently, scammers used an unpatched security flaw to hijack the site's email server. But none of that research was needed. Just seeing that the claimed sender and the reported sender weren't the same was sufficient to discard the message as a fake. And actually, I didn't even need to go that far. I am the techbiter.com domain administrator, and I know that I did not send myself a message about a new login from an unknown location. Well, then, just because I had some time, I looked to see what I could find out about the IP address from which the login supposedly occurred. The address, which, by the way, is 185.232.21.169, appears to be registered to a hosting service in Brussels. So, although I already knew it was a scam, I hovered the mouse cursor over the link address. No clicking here, just hovering. It wouldn't have taken me to Techbiter.com. Instead, the browser would have been pointed to a scam site, and when I loaded the page safely using PowerShell, I saw nothing more than a script. Also, the text has been written by someone who speaks English as a second or third language, or who never made it past eighth-grade remedial English. That, of course, would have been another clue had I needed one. And one more unnecessary clue appears near the bottom of the message where the scammer has included text about how to opt out, but forgot to include even a phony link. The second example you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website is a reasonably common scam that promises a gift from a big retailer. Take our 30-second survey, the scammer says, and we'll give you a reward with a value up to $90. But the message at the top of the page says it's a $50 value. Come on, scammer, pay attention to details here. What else is wrong with this one? Well, lots. I suppose I could mention the sender's email address, but that was so obvious that I didn't even highlight it on the screenshot. Sam's Club would not send messages from a Netherlands email address. So what else was wrong? Well, directly under the sender's phony email address is a line that says, we have a surprise for Sam's Club shoppers. There's no apostrophe in Sam's, and the scammer apparently intended to write Sam's Club in all caps, but forgot to hold the shift key down long enough and got Sam's in caps and CL in caps, but UB in lowercase. The next line has Sam's Club, again, no apostrophe, but at least the capitalization is right. The message itself has an old Sam's Club logo. If you take a look at the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll see that I pasted a copy of the current logo over the scammers screenshot. And there's a little piece of clip art. Surveys and promotions, it says. The clip art looks like it dates back to the early days of the web. Now, this is not something a large company such as Walmart would allow. And Sam's Club is a division of Walmart. The message at least got Sam's Club right with an apostrophe. But the overall presentation is amateurish and the entire message is a graphic, a fuzzy low-resolution graphic at that. And then there's a squished photo in the lower right corner. Graphic designers do not stretch or squish photos. If the photo doesn't fit, a designer will either crop the image or find a new image. The point here is that it's not really difficult to foil scammers. Just view every message with a little bit of suspicion. You won't find any scams or scammers in spare parts, but you might find some useful information. Just head over to the TechBinder Worldwide website, and this week you'll find these articles. There is one critical step you should take before contacting tech support to report a problem. That one simple step may solve the problem. If not, there is one more thing to think about. And 20 years ago, storing files on the Internet was new and expensive.